This is the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, November 17th, 2020. I'm your host, Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, newscaster Ethan Hansen will be updating you on campus and local news. Then we'll be hearing from KCSU Sports Director Dixon Lawson. Then we'll be hearing from Laura Studley of The Collegian about behavior reporting process at CSU, as well as some highlights from Maddie Erskine's interview with local band Los Toms. I'll be delivering some national news after that, and Ivy will discuss new ballot measures. Then we'll be hearing from Habitat for Humanity about the Hometown Hero Award. To conclude the show, Coda will be giving some updates on COVID-19, and I'll update us on the strange things happening in the world. Now let's move right into local and campus news. This was written by Ethan Hansen of KCSU Fort Collins, who is reporting the weekday news heading into our last week before break at CSU. According to CSU Source, the Oval will be closed from Sunday, November 15th through Saturday the 21st for CSU commencement walks. The Oval will be closed to traffic and parking throughout the week for a ceremony celebrating all 2020 graduates. Although guests are not allowed to attend, commencement ceremonies this year will be live-streamed and recorded, as well as personalized speeches by by each of the fall 2020 graduates to be released on December 18th. On Wednesday, November 11th, the Collegian released a story detailing a saga of sexual harassment by by construction management assistant professor Ronald Holt, which we'll be discussing a little bit later. Women in the story described Holt asking them excessively personal questions, commenting on their bodies, and touching in inappropriate ways. Holt apparently used his position as a professor and an artist to put students into uncomfortable situations. Pseudonym student Lacey Mitchell reported his insistence on in stubbornness to push her to do a fully nude photo shoot and commented, My body didn't feel like it was mine, especially the part that he touched, end quote. Mitchell went to CSUPD, but was told there wasn't enough evidence to press charges, although the Collegian obtained phone calls and exchanges showing possessive, if not illegal, language towards students. After the claims, Holt was placed on administrative leave in October 2019, though only days after he chose to resign from the university, ending the jurisdiction the university had to continue their employment investigation on him. Because the case did not really reach the the probable cause requirements to push for criminal charges, it was not carried out past the grounds of the university. Quote, I think my life is worth a little more than a retirement, Lacey Mitchell told the Collegian. And who knows how many other countless girls he's done that to. Is that worth being able to retire? I don't think so. I have to walk by his room and all of his accolades, his mural, and feel like he's a great person, end quote. Larimer County has extended its emergency public health order set to expire on the 6th of November, now to expire on the 27th of November. The most important restrictions for customers and residents are the limits an limits to indoor dining restriction to a maximum of eight people per table. At bars, customers may not sit or stand. No food will be served, and drinks can only be served at tables. All indoor waiting areas for restaurants are removed. Organized sports continue their restrictions, being that only players from Colorado are allowed to compete in sports with one another, although additionally the amount of spectators is reduced to only 50 with only two spectators allowed per person. Restrictions are important because COVID-19 hospitalizations are reaching levels not seen since early in the pandemic, according to the Larimer County Department of Health and the Environment. This was written by Ethan Hansen for KCSU Fort Collins. For more local and campus news, make sure to tune into a Rocky Mountain Review starting now. And now we'll be right back. If you are a current CSU student and would like to be a part of KCSU-FM, go to kcsufm.com backslash training to be a live DJ, podcaster, or reporter. This is 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. 
Hello everyone, my name is Dixon Lawson, and you're tuned in to the RMR Sports Report for the week of November 17th. Starting off, we'll look at CSU's last game against Boise State on Thursday of last week. Uh, it was a complete blowout for the Rams uh, after half. It was 42-7. to Taking a look at some of the stats from that game, Patrick O'Brien, who was the starter, finished 9 for 20, 140 yards with just an interception. So overall, it was not a great game for him. Uh, we did see backup Todd Centeno. He came in, went 2 for 9, 36 yards, but he did have a lone touchdown. Other than that, though, the special teams really was the weakness for the Rams as they let in two special team scores and really just couldn't get anything going until the second half. The Rams will be back in Canvas Stadium this Saturday at 3.30 p.m. to play UNLV. Be sure to tune in three hours before the game to the KCSU pregame show for all the updates and a chance to win special prize packages, as well as go to our website, kcsufm.com, to find our postgame report. This has been the RMR Sports Report. My name is Dixon Lawson. I wish you all a great rest of your week. That was Dixon Lawson, the sports director here at KCSU with the RMR Sports Report. Up next, we're going to be hearing from Laura Studley of the Collegian on the reporting process for misconduct behavior at CSU. Now we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review. Today we're joined in studio with Laura Studley, the news director for the Collegian, uh, based around a story that just came out about a CSU professor being uh, reported for misconduct. So we're going to be talking about the reporting process, what might prevent someone from reporting, and things along those lines, so not to tell the story for the victim herself. So to start with, how are you doing, Laura? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So to start out with, what does the reporting process look like? So I think it varies um, on a case-by-case basis. Um, It depends on how um, much the survivor is willing to talk with you um, and how long it takes to build that trust. Um, So I think it depends on case-by-case. I was really, really fortunate to be able to talk with two survivors um, that were willing to talk with me and um, fortunate enough to write their story. All right. And then why do some students choose not to report either to the collegian or newspapers or also to police in general? Yeah, I think it's a fear of the system and a fear of not being believed. Um, I think society as a whole has kind of just stigmatized victims and coming forward. Um, They're always quick to ask questions like, what were you wearing? Why are you out that late? Um, You know, and I talked to um, one of the assistant directors at WGAC, the Women Gender Advocacy Center at CSU, and um, basically uh, she said that it's called the criminal justice system, not the victim justice system, and that really stuck with me. Um, 
And that's why I think women just choose not to report. Yeah. What are some myths about the reporting process? Um, Yeah, I think it's just that journalism is easy and, you know, we can produce things quickly and efficiently and fast. And yeah, that like that stands for breaking news. But like with investigative pieces, I think it takes time. And um, I think there's also a myth around that it's um, not as difficult for the journalist as well. Because, I mean, as a journalist myself hearing these stories, it was very difficult and emotional for me to hear it and kind of remain objective while writing it because I was <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it I was angry about what had happened um and so just to remain transparent and um unbiased when reporting yeah um how can students really work to support their peers who are being harassed or otherwise having inappropriate contact with faculty yeah I think just listening and being there for them um just to know that they're there because you know it's all in their own time if they want to choose to report they can if they don't want to, then that's their choice as well. And so, yeah, just listening and supporting them in whatever way they feel comfortable. Um, What are some resources within the CSU community and in Fort Collins as a whole available to people who are dealing with harassment? Yeah, so the WGAC, like I mentioned earlier, um, has a 24-hour crisis hotline, 24-7, 365 days a year. Um, And they are always there to listen. It's 100% confidential. I know that um, CSU has like the mandatory reporting situation, but it doesn't necessarily apply to WGAC unless um, the survivor wants that to happen. And as far as like Fort Collins and the community, there's an organization called the Sexual Victims Advocate Center. And so that's more um, community-based. They have shelter resources um, for uh, victims of sexual violence and um, other resources. So. All right. Thank you so much, Laura. Up next, we're going to have an interview with Lois Toms, a local banding here in Fort Collins. Again, that was Laura Studley. And we're just talking about what it's like to be a journalist reporting on um, sexual violence, especially a college journalist. Um, but yeah, we'll be right back. La Piadina, Italian flatbread sandwiches, is a proud supporter of KCSU. Located in Old Town, Fort Collins in the Exchange, they can also be accessed around campus and throughout Fort Collins in their traveling food truck. La Piadina means flatbread in Italian, so they make their sandwiches with their own Piadina breads in traditional Italian baking style. La Piadina uses organic flour and has vegan and gluten-free flatbread options. For more information and a menu, visit lapiadinanoco.com. We here we here at KCSU want to hear your voice, it, and we are currently doing something called Vox Pop. So this this week's and month's prompt is: What is your favorite holiday tradition? Call nine seven zero four nine one KCSU after the show to tell us. Again, that's nine seven zero four nine one five two seven eight. Now for an interview with, from Maddie Erskine with the local band Los Toms. KCSU Fort Collins. My name is Maddie Erskine and welcome to Life and Local. Today, psychedelic desert fuzz band Los Toms has joined me in the studio to talk about their new album, Centipede Sessions. Unfortunately, we couldn't have the full band come in and play the songs live due to COVID restrictions, but we are excited to share recordings of their new songs and have three members here to chat. 
you guys get pretty creative with the names of your songs and albums, like Rogue Roomba, which is the first song we'll be playing today. Um, what's the inspiration behind these names? That one, uh, I can't really remember the exact inspiration. I just kind of thought that that'd be terrifying if your yeah. Roomba like gained sentience and like tried to take over. You know, I don't know how much it could actually do because probably can't get off the floor. But anyways, it would still be kind of weird. So that was about all. Yeah, absolutely. Are there any other songs with like super fun names and stories? Yeah, when when we, I mean, usually when I'm trying to think of a name of a song, if it doesn't have like a theme or an idea already, I'll just kind of try and come up with something silly, just kind of something that makes me laugh. So that's yeah. what I yeah. like. We got some goofy names uh, on Centipede Sessions in general. It was pretty lighthearted. Yeah. We got Fish Science, yep. which is then followed up a little bit later with Science Fish. Yeah. Uh, just to keep you on your toes. Just to keep you on your toes. I like that. What's the inspiration behind the name Centipede Sessions? Uh, centipedes are just scary. Yeah. Um, the the whole session started, we were trying to record a whole set of other songs, and we ended up just jamming, and they kind of just went on for a long time, and kind of circuitous, snaking around, and... They weren't quite smooth enough to be called snakes, but I think a centipede pretty accurately describes, especially the opening yeah. song. I like that. No, I think centipede and Los Toms do go together, like in my brain. Yeah, <laughs> crawling sense. in the dirt. So like alligators and Los Toms. <laughs> Those are like the animals I associate you guys with. <laughs> I like alligators. They're terrifying. Yeah, in a good way, though. Yeah. Absolutely. So what was your recording process like for centipede sessions? Um, we had a buddy come over, and we kind of just went with it. It's kind of like a spur-of-the-moment thing. Started out early, maybe around like 10-ish, and then went later into the night. Yeah, he just brought all of his gear over at our to our house, and we just kind of set up and just like just had a good time, you know, and didn't try to push it really, and we just made a bunch of music that night, and some of it actually turned out to be pretty good, so cool. Yeah. Yeah, you guys do, like, live tracks for all of your songs, right? Pretty um, much up through this, yeah. yeah. We, um, we've been tracking a new album since doing Centipede Sessions, and that's, like, our first tracked-in-studio album, which is a whole new approach for us. Up until now, we've just done everything live because it gives, like, its own energy and everything. All our songs are a little bit different every time we play them, so it's, live is just more of, a, more of the authentic experience, I think, in our case. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's really cool, especially because you're more of like a jam bandy kind of vibe. It's, you know, you have really longer songs, so having that live aspect, even in a recording, is just so nice. <laughs> uh, so let's get to the music. So what struggles have you had trying to safely play live music in a time like this? We just haven't been, really. Burning yeah. Band's the first thing we did since March. And that was like a show in a garage, the last thing we did there, you know. Yeah. We've just kind of been playing at home a lot because we all live together so we've been able to jam together yeah and get it out that way and uh you know we have a couple friends over so it's it's not the same but yeah just any way to play music really yeah we're making do yeah have you guys feel like you have more time to like practice and record without gigs De definitely yeah. yeah that's what i was just thinking is you know in this meantime really instead of playing shows we've just been spending our time trying to be productive and you know record music so yeah i got a lot of creativity going we got finished up that centipede album yeah recorded finished recording another album called totem 
exciting. And uh, made a music video. Yeah. Pl- planning another music one. video. Yeah. That's awesome. What new music video are you planning? Uh, it's for a track that's going to be on Totem called Black Magic Sludge Mage. <laughs> nice. That sounds exciting. <laughs> yeah. We wrote it a while ago. It's pretty topical to like today's events, you know, the, the times, the end of, end of times end specifically. Of times. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a little apocalyptic. A little topical treatment for the end of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially with the fires recently, it definitely feels like we're at the end of times, like when the sky is orange. <laughs> I almost wish we were shooting the video, yeah, with the orange right. sky, because it's like, you don't even need special effects. Yeah. It's just, is doom the out there? The world is already on fire. <laughs> yeah, we've been kind of branching into doom metal anyways, so yeah. I don't know if that's, if, if we're mirroring the outside world or if nature's imitating life. Yeah, it, it could be either way for sure. Uh, what is the overall goal of your music? Like, what effects do you hope to have on your fans and listeners? Well, we just want people to... Come to shows when they happen and uh, yeah. rock out. And I guess in terms of like a message, maybe we just try and play whatever we feel like playing. Yeah. You know, and our music's changed a lot. We've got like some like softer, more like lyrical songs from the earlier days into now, like these long jam songs into these more like heavy stoner rock riff based songs that we've got coming up for Totem. Nice. Um, so if anything, just to like not feel bound to playing a certain music or fitting a certain scene or or whatever and just playing music for the sake of music yeah free thinkers are dangerous <laughs> yeah so think freely yeah probably probably something like that yeah just kind of inspire people to not be in a box because why <laughs> you don't need to be yeah get the fuzz out of your nose <laughs> yeah breathe in the air Exactly, exactly. So we just kind of touched on this, but you guys just released that uh, video for Science Fish, uh, which is the song that we'll be playing next. Um, I watched it yesterday. It was really cool. I like the trippy effects and like the way it's edited. Um, what was the filming process like for that? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty chaotic. Um, yep. The whole album was last minute, right? Like we kind of threw it together. It's actually one year today was the, the day we recorded Science Fish in Rogue Roomba. Oh, that's crazy. So... It's like it took us a year to get it out. It was kind of last minute Happy recording it. Guys. Yeah. yeah. One year. You had a cake and everything. That's exciting. So, the, yeah, the video is the same way like shaky footage. Yeah. Um, we just kind of gave the cameras to our roommate and our friend and said, like, hey, can you shoot? Yeah. Can you just hold the camera still and point it at us? And. They no. could, they could for like most of it. There's, there's some really good shots in there. Yeah, definitely. And then a lot of, a lot of unusable footage that, like, that's kind of part of why it's yeah. got all those crazy effects going on is because we had to like fill in a lot of space with, yeah, with, just with footage video. that with, didn't. Yeah, fit. And it was a live session. It's like I don't know how we could ever reimitate that. We couldn't like set up a video. Yeah, you would know it wouldn't look. It would look silly. It would look like set up, and this is more yeah. like natural. And <laughs> yeah, that's in our jam room. That's like up close. That's what it's like. Yeah, I like the alien head that you have in there. Lenny. 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 <laughs> yes, I think that part was really cool. I like that that was featured in the video. Yeah, he's a friendly, friendly one. So yeah. They're not all friendly though, but yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> shoot them on aliens on sight. Yeah. Because Lenny's good. He brought us candy. Yeah. Do you guys have any other fun things in your room? <laughs> In our in our in jam, room. jam room, yeah, um, we have a mannequin in there. Yeah, a mannequin, yeah. nice a torso. We have a yeah. torso, a 
pink torso. We've got some collages. We've got we've got a little fish. I think you drew it actually. I a little fish drawing fish. hanging up in the jam jam room. <laughs> I think that is from some me. Some posters. Actually. Yeah, There's we like a, to hang up our friends' art. Yeah, the bouquet on the end of the drum set yeah. is kind yeah. of a nice touch. That is a nice touch. Do you think this like helps you? you know, be creative in your music. No, it just makes us pretty. <laughs> just yeah. makes you pretty. <laughs> Looking good is like the most important thing in music scene, I could think. It's not so much like if you can play or if you know what an instrument is. It's, it's like if you have a flower... It's just looking it'll cool. Go, it'll take you further. <laughs> a flower will take you further than knowing how to play your instrument. That's great you gotta advice. Stop and smell the roses. <laughs> That's wonderful advice. We have a new member in the studio. We switched two out because I can only have three in here. So Casey, if you'd like to say hello and introduce hello. yourself. <laughs> I'm Casey. I also play guitar and low toms. The Garo. The Garo. <laughs> I love it. Before we end the show here, is there anything else you guys want to let the audience know? Yeah, we got our, our new album out, Centipede Sessions. Um, it's on Spotify, it's on YouTube, it's on Deezer, it's on Tidal, it's on Apple Music, it's on Napster. LimeWire. LimeWire. Any way that anybody wanted to listen to it, they could. And we made a video, Science Fish. Yeah. It took us... It, I don't really know how to video edit, but I you can buy... The video editor program without actually knowing how to use it. Yep. <laughs> and they'll, they'll, that's what they, maybe they don't want you to know that, but you can definitely do that <laughs> and just hack away. at it. So I'm, yeah, we made a video, so it's pretty It's very exciting. do it yourself. I love it. It's, it's worth a good 10 minutes of your time. Sorry we play long songs. We're not sorry at all, though. <laughs> we love it. If you missed any part of this session with Los Toms, the full session will be up on our website, kcsufm.com soon. The next live in studio session will be next Sunday at the 4th at 3 p.m. with Lenore. I'm Maddie Erskine, local music director, and thank you for listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And that was Maddie Erskine, our local music director, with Los Toms. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is National News Highlights for Tuesday. A district court judge has ruled that the current Department of Homeland Security did not have the authority to suspend the DACA program. According to James Dubeck of National Public Radio, DHS Secretary Chad Wolf suspended new applicants from signing up for the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, commonly referred to as DACA, without properly being in the position. DACA is a program which currently allows for 640,000 immigrants to remain in the U.S. who are brought to the U.S. as children. Judge Nicholas Garifas, who serves in the Eastern District Court in New York, ruled that this order was invalid due to the violation of the Homeland Security Act of 2002. Wolf's memo rejecting new DACA applicants changed DACA renewals to once a year when they had previously only occurred once every two years. The Supreme Court previously blocked the original memo rejecting new applicants to DACA based on arbitrary reasoning for the memo. Over 82,000 people have claims against the Boy Scouts relating to sexual abuse. According to Mike Baker, this number has now surpassed claims filed against clergy within the Catholic Church significantly. The claims against the Boy Scouts span multiple decades of abuse scenarios from troop leaders and includes people from every U.S. state, with accusations coming from people ages 8 to 93, including both men and women. 
The Boy Scouts have over 2.2 million members and peaked at 5 million in the 1970s. In a statement, Boy Scouts said, quote, The response we have seen from survivors has been gut-wrenching. We are deeply sorry, end quote. The organization claimed to be, quote, devastated by the number of lives impacted by past abuse in scouting, end quote. The Boy Scouts are currently in the process of filing for bankruptcy due to the financial costs they faced as a result of claim compensation. Robert O'Brien, the U.S. National Security Advisor, has promised what he calls a, quote, professional transition between the Trump and Biden administrations in January. According to Philip Ewing, Trump has made unbacked claims related to the presidential election's validity, saying there was voter fraud leading to Biden's election. These claims have been followed with legal battles and recounts, but O'Brien has said that it is looking like Biden has won the election. NPR reporter Ewing said, quote, It wasn't clear whether O'Brien might pay a price within the White House for his divergence from the official line. Trump not only has attacked pol politicians who've acknowledged the results of the election, but the administration has also fired a number of officials in various cabinet departments, end quote. O'Brien's remarks were streamed online by the Sufan Center's Global Security Forum. Louisiana State University has been mishandling sexual misconduct complaints, especially within their athletics program. According to USA Today's investigation, running back Darius Geis has been protected from complaints of misconducts for over a year. A member of the diving team complained that he had sexually assaulted her friend who had passed out at a party. And another student complained of a partially nude photograph being taken without her permission by Geis. LSU officials reportedly doubted women's claims, chose not to investigate internally, and did not properly contact law enforcement authorities. In a USA Today investigation of LSU, they found that the university had shielded multiple other athletes from complaints of abuse and prevented victims from accessing protection from perpetrators. USA Today found three cases where perpetrators were found responsible, but not expelled or suspended, and instead given deferred suspensions. Deferred suspensions involve a probationary period where a student must stay out of trouble. To read more about this case, visit usatoday.com. Nevada is the first state to legally protect same-sex couples and guarantee a right to marriage within their constitution, according to the Associated Press. Nevada voters were given the opportunity to vote on protecting same-sex marriage in ballots this year, and thanks to the amendments passing, voters have made sure that LGBTQ individuals are not barred from marriage within the state no matter what happens nationally. Previously in 2002, voters had banned same-sex marriage, but now over 60% of voters chose to protect the right in this election. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. We'll be right back with proposition explanations with my co-host Ivy Winfrey, but first, we have a quick break. We'll see you back in a few. Want to know how the Nuggets did last night? Are you dying to hear about the Twitter beef your favorite rapper was involved in? Well, look no further because you can find all that and more tomorrow from 3 to 5 p.m. with me, DJ Dallas. And me, DJ Asher, here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm Ivy Winfrey. The election is coming to a close, and Colorado voters in 2020 voted in favor of quite a few ballot measures. We at KCSU have prepared a series of segments devoted to discussing the future impact of each of these ballot measures. Today, we will be discussing the purpose and possible impact of Proposition 118, also known as the Paid Medical and Family Leave Initiative. 
Proposition 118 imposes a payroll tax, which is set to begin on January 1st, 2023, in order to fund 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave for all workers in Colorado, as well as prohibiting employers from retaliatory action against employees for requesting or using paid leave. The payroll tax is paid for in a 50-50 split between the employer and the employee. The first year the benefits will become available will be from the beginning of 2024. In the first two years of the program, the premiums paid will equal 0.9% of an employee's wage, which, when split between the employer-employee, will have each paying 0.45% of the wage in premiums. Employers are also permitted to pay up to a higher percentage of a cost, up to 100%. In 2025, the premiums will be adjusted so that the amount collected by the state will equal 135% of the previous year's claims and 100% of the costs of administration, with the premium being able to be increased to a set cap of 1.2% of each employee's wages. A covered individual may receive up to 12 weeks of paid family leave or medical leave under Proposition 118. An additional four weeks of leave are allowed for pregnancy or childbirth complications. Individuals receive 90% of their average weekly wage, or AWW, for the portion of wages that are less than or equal to 50% of the state average weekly wage, or the SAWW. And 50% of the uh, portion of their wages that exceed 50% of the SAWW, uh, the maximum benefit is capped at $1,100 per week for 2024. The SAWW is estimated to be $1,340 for 2024. The maximum weekly benefit in 2025 is estimated to be $1,253 per week, which is 90% of the state average um, which is estimated to be 1,392 per week. For uh, 2023, the maximum annual premium was estimated to be $1,455, since premiums can only be assessed on wages up to $161,000 per person. Under Proposition 118, individuals are eligible to receive the benefits they have earned uh, $2,500 in wages that were subject to the paid family and medical leave premiums that have been employed by the employer for at least 180 days. People who are covered by this program can only take the medical or family leave for the following reasons. Caring for their own serious health condition, caring for a new child during the first year after the birth or adoption for foster care of a new child, caring for a family member with a serious health condition, when a family member is on active duty military service, or is called for active duty military service, and when the individual or individual's family member is a victim of domestic violence, stalking, or sexual assault. Under Proposition 118, employers cannot take disciplinary or retaliatory actions against employees for requesting or using paid leave. Job protections become available to employees who work for the employer for at least 180 days. Employees who take the leave under Proposition 118 are entitled to return to the same position at as or a position with the same pay, benefits, and seniority or status. Employees cannot lose their health benefits during their leave and are still required to pay with health insurance uh, premiums while on leave, should they have any. According to Colorado Families First, one of the organizations backing Proposition 118, around 80% of Coloradans don't currently have access to paid family and medical leave, and 2.6 million Americans would benefit from Proposition 118, or about 45% of the population of Colorado. 
Critics of po- Proposition 118 argued that his passage would cause businesses to spend significantly more money on wages and reduce profits, as well as force businesses to depress wages. However, multiple studies into a similar law that was passed in California found that the law had little to no impact on the profitability of businesses or people's wages, and in fact increased the likelihood of employees staying with the companies they work for and reducing turnover. Other critics argued that the premiums would not be able to fund the program because they were too low. However, an actuarial study by AMI Risk Consultants found that a similar program offered up to 12 weeks off for childbirth, combining six weeks for medical disability and six weeks for family reasons, was able to be fully funded by less than 0.9% of wages in Colorado's law. Information from this segment was collected from Ballotpedia in Colorado Public Radio. I'm Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. Up next, we're going to be hearing from Kristen Candarella from uh, Fort Collins Habitat for Humanity about the Hometown Hero Award and other initiatives Habitat for Humanity has to support our community. Would you mind introducing yourself for me? Sure, I'm happy to. I'm Kristen Candela, Executive Director and CEO of Fort Collins Habitat for Humanity. For those who are unfamiliar, can you explain a little bit about what Habitat for Humanity is and what its main goals are? Habitat for Humanity brings people together to build homes, communities, and hope. So we are unique in that we are providing home ownership opportunities allowing families to build and buy their own homes here and throughout the world. We're actually working in 70 countries. Relating to a recent award you guys gave out, can you explain what the annual Hometown Hero Award is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Habitat for Humanity is a very grassroots organization. So we say we, we bloom where we grow and where we're planted. And that's always dependent on the support of local businesses. And so this year we wanted to start this Hometown Hero Award to recognize a local contributing business that was invested in every aspect of what we do. So building on-site locally, building globally, our ReStore, which is our earned revenue enterprise, and through leadership and through events and fundraising. So really touching every aspect of what we do. What business was selected this year? Well, it's such a yummy business. That's a little bit of a hint, but we selected Hot Corner Concepts, which uh, I think everyone will recognize. Not Hot Corner, but Big Owls and Comet Chicken and Austin's and the Moot House, uh, some of our finest local restaurants and just a ridiculously generous company to boot. Yeah. What did they do to get the Hometown Hero Award this year? Yeah, so um, Hot Corner Concepts and their group of restaurants has been supporting Habitat for Humanity for over a dozen years. So they have helped us by donating food to events and creating menus and bringing out their chefs and their staff to serve food. They have donated financially. We have lots and lots of big tax presentation photos from the various restaurants. They have come out and built on site as a staff here locally. Um, Their owners, Steve and Leslie Taylor, have gone on a global habitat build and and built homes internationally. Um, They have supported our restore by helping to, you know, uh, renovate the model and make it more successful. 
really, they have been just engaged in, in so many things that we've done that we couldn't even accurately represent it. It would take a, it would take a novel. And then what are the criteria needed to be chosen as a hometown hero? Yes. So hometown heroes have to be in, engaged in every aspect of our work. So they need to be involved locally on the build site. They have to lift the hammer. They have to give or go globally. They have to do something uh, with our international build. They have to um, expand the capacity of the staff or leadership by mentoring and engaging with us in that way. Uh, They have to give financially or through in-kind donations, and they have to support our restore. So you can see that this is um, a high bar that uh, a lot of folks won't meet those criteria right away. But we hope a lot of businesses are inspired that they can engage in all of those ways. Yeah, that's definitely a new bar to the level of generosity someone has to be able to access in order to be recognized. What is the significance of this award in connecting these people to their communities and really recognizing the work? You know, our reason for launching this award during this crazy, stressful, um, unsettling, we've all heard so many words about this year, was that we are hoping that people will really think about the kind of community and the kind of hometown that we want to build. We hope that people will choose local and that they will think this holiday season about the kinds of businesses that they want to make sure are here long after we're past the pandemic. And uh, there are a lot of decisions to be made this season about that. And so for us, um, we wanted to shine a light on local businesses and the fact that we as consumers can make choices to keep these businesses thriving and to have a, the kind of community we want to have when this is all over. Yeah, definitely. Um, back on the topic of just generally Habitat for Humanity, how can someone volunteer or otherwise find ways to support the organization? You know, we are having uh, very limited volunteers right now, and that's a a strange thing for me to say. (laughs) If you would have told me a year ago that we would not be engaging a lot of volunteers on site or, you know, hugging and high-fiving and all of that, I wouldn't have believed it. We typically have 300 to 400 volunteers touch every single home. And right now, uh, safety is our very top priority. So folks cannot engage on the site right now. There are some limited volunteer opportunities at our at our Fort Collins Habitat for Humanity Restore. And um, folks can find out about those volunteer opportunities on our website, which is fortcollinshabitat.org. Donations are always appreciated as well, both to our restore, so furniture, cars, appliances, building materials, donations to the store or financial donations. Um, We're still building. We have closed on four homes since this all started and we're keeping it going and there's no framing without financing. So anybody that has that ability to give right now is, is deeply appreciated. All right. And then um, how do you think that Habitat providing this opportunity for home ownership really allows community members to be empowered, especially low income community members? You know, there's just nothing like homeownership. And I think especially right now, when we've been told we're safer at home, it really makes you aware of what what you have in the stability in your home. And 
we've had homeowners reference it over and again, especially one that closed right before the quarantine. She mentioned the security they felt, the safety they felt, the, the ways that they were continuing to invest in their future through saving for retirement or saving for her daughter's college fund because they knew they owned their home and they had a stable and affordable mortgage payment. They were able to still think forward and feel safe where they were. And I, I think that is not true for everyone here. This particular homeowner that closed right before quarantine had moved 14 times in eight years all while having a stable income and job. Going back to programs like the Hometown Hero Award, does Habitat for Humanity have any other ways to get that they give recognition to community members? Oh, absolutely. I think we take a, we take a lot of um, joy in coming up with creative ways to recognize our supporters uh, through our website, through social media, um, through newspaper advertising, we're just putting together a full-page ad in the Coloradoan to thank our annual We Build breakfast sponsors. And um, we just love working with, you know, construction companies or with, uh, you know, any type of supporter to figure out what's meaningful to them and to provide that in whatever way we can. With the holiday season coming up, are there any programs going on through Habitat for low-income families or other individuals in need beyond housing? Oh, absolutely. This is a this is a wonderful and generous community. And there are a variety of different programs run through Rotary or through different uh, faith organizations um, to provide the food bank, um, project self-sufficiency, neighbor to neighbor. There's just a a beautiful list of wonderful nonprofits here that are doing great work, boots on the ground, especially during the holidays. So I think all someone has to do is figure out where their heart is, where they want to give, and then find that right organization to match their desire to serve. Um, I, I love doing the giving tree every year, and I think it's really meaningful to get to select one family and help get gifts for their family. Uh, knowing they might not have them under the tree otherwise. All right, Lynn, do you have anything else you'd like to add about Habitat for Humanity and your work with them before we go? You know, I, I would just say we, um, we are deeply appreciative of this generous community and can't wait to be out on the dirt and swinging hammers with our volunteers again. And, um, and we need to. This work isn't possible without the Fort Collins community behind it and engaged in it. So, Uh, We hope you will stay connected and stay with us on social media and drive by our build site, the Harmony Cottages, where we're building 48 homes on the southeast corner of Taft Hill and Harmony Roads, and donate and shop at our restore. Um, It is a great way to support people that need to buy affordable building materials or home supplies. and, and you can just donate there and we'll pass that through and keep things out of the landfill. There's just a lot of good ways to still stay engaged. So stick with us. All right. So, so far we've heard local news. We've also heard from uh, Laura Studley of the Collegian. And we've heard from Kristen Kendala from the Habitat for Humanity here in Fort Collins. Now, I'm Coda Babcock, and this is the COVID-19 update for November 17th. 
the Moderna vaccine is now showing to be 94, 94.5% effective in prevention of the coronavirus. The Food and Drug Administration only required a coronavirus vaccine to be over 50% effective for approval due to the virus's impact on life in the U.S. Researchers test vaccines by giving some participants a placebo and some participants a vaccine and recording how many people within the two groups get sick. 95 participants contracted COVID-19 overall, but only five of them were given the real vaccine. The vaccine appeared safe in all groups, including those most heavily impacted, such as those 65 and older, and individuals who identified as Black, Hispanic, Asian, or multiracial. There are now over 1,000 cumulative cases of COVID-19 at Colorado State University since May of this year, when CSU began recording. Larimer County has a high risk score for COVID-19 and is in the safer at home level category two, a level two category. There have been 146 new positive cases in the past 24 hours, and every day in the past two weeks has seen 15 new cases a day. In the past two weeks, there have been eight days in which over 10% of of tests came back positive. Larimer County's 14-day case rate is 732 per 100,000 residents. And we are reaching capacity for COVID patients currently in the hospital at a total of 64 patients. Hospital utilization is at 70% and ICU usage is at 72%. The county currently has over 6,700 cases and 63 deaths. The state of Colorado currently has 167,000 cases and over 2,500 deaths among COVID-19 cases. Nearly 1.5 million people within Colorado have been tested for COVID-19, and there have been 1,600 outbreaks. Crowley County has become notably one of the, the highest counties in Colorado in recent cases per resident as listed by the New York Times. Nationwide, more than 11.3 million people have been diagnosed with COVID-19, and nearly 248,000 people have died. Cases have gone up by 82% in the past two weeks nationwide, and deaths have increased by 40% in the same time frame. Yesterday, 73,000 people were hospitalized with COVID-19. Over 252,000 cases have been reported amongst college students and faculty at universities and colleges of over 1,600 schools. Information for today's segment was gathered from Colorado State University, Larimer County Public Health, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the New York Times, USA Today, and the Centers for Disease Control. Masks, hygiene, social distancing, and avoiding unnecessary trips outside of the home are the best options currently available in preventing the transmission of COVID-19. For information on how and where to get tested, visit Larimer.org and navigate to the COVID-19 updates tag at the top of the page. The site also includes information about traveling during the pandemic, contact tracing, and the most recent press release is related to COVID-19. That's all for today's COVID-19 update. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Review. Up next, we have weird news with Ivy Winfrey, but first we have a quick break. We'll be right back. My name is Ivy Winfrey. Sometimes we need to get a little bit weird. So here's some of the weirdest stories I've heard today. 
The German federal government on Saturday released an online video praising couch potatoes as the heroes of the COVID-19 pandemic. According to Dutch Well, the German international media, the ad, titled Hashtag Special Heroes Together Against Corona, is a one and a half minute video and calls on people in Germany to follow the honorable example of the modest couch potato citizen. The The short video begins with an elderly man recalling his quote-unquote service to the nation back in the day when he was a budding young student, stating how an invisible danger threatened everything. The narrator continued, quote, So we mustered all of our courage and did what was expected of us, the only right thing. We did nothing, absolutely nothing, being as lazy as raccoons, end quote. The ad used imagery of a man draped over his sofa watching television as dramatic music played. The ad ends with the narrator uh, saying, looking back, this was our fate. This is how we became heroes. A government message then reads, you too can become a hero by staying at home. Germany has reported over 775 thousand coronavirus cases with over 12,000 deaths. The country imposed a month-long partial lockdown to control the spread of COVID-19 at the beginning of November, shutting restaurants, bars, and gyms in limiting the number of people who can meet in public and in the home. Italian police have identified the man suspected of stealing Pope John Paul II's blood, according to Angela Gifruda of The Guardian. The blood was contained in a vial which was stolen from an altar devoted to the late pontiff in Spotello, Italy, in September. Police identified the man, reported to be aged 49 and a resident of Tuscany, thanks to CCTV footage of the cathedral in the surrounding area. He has allegedly been connected to the theft of other Christian artifacts and assets in the past. The vial one of three relics that contain droplets of the Pope's blood, have not has not been found. Police believe it may have ended up on the black market, possibly in the hands of collectors, as such relics are of great religious value. Pope John Paul II died in 2005 after leading the Catholic Church for 27 years. One of the most popular popes, he became a saint in 2014. Blood was taken from him shortly before his death and used as the official relic for veneration during his beautification in 2011. Such relics tend to be either body parts of saints or their clothing. The vial was being temporarily housed in the Spoleto Cathedral before a planned transfer to a new church in Umbria named after the Pope. This is not the first time one of the late pontiff's relics have been stolen. In 2014, months before his canonization, a metal frame containing a blood-stained piece of cloth from the robe he was wearing when he was shot in an assassination attempt in St. Peter's Square in 1981 was stolen from a church in a small town in Abruzzo. The theft triggered a massive search involving sniffer dogs. The cloth was eventually found among rubbish in the garbage of one of the thieves, who threw it away, not realizing its value. A driver in Hampshire, United Kingdom, who repeatedly shouted, Wakey, wakey, from his car in the early hours of the morning, has been given a police warning after Hampshire police received a significant amount of complaints. According to the BBC, residents heard a man driving up and down the road with a megaphone and as he and the passengers in his car were shouting the phrase, Wakey, wakey, at 1.40 in the morning. The driver was also reported to have turned off all of his car lights and said, quote, You can't call the police because you can't see us, end quote. Officers eventually caught up with the driver and issued him a warning, meaning that the driver's car can be seized if he gives residents further unwelcome wake-up calls in the next 12 months. And that's all the weird news I have for today. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU 
Fort Collins. We'll be right back. I'm having so much fun. Get over here with that pool noodle. Hope you brought your bathing suit. Stop running. Because after the show, we're taking a trip in the hot tub's time machine and playing all the songs of a year from history. Mom, how do I turn on the bubbles? They're already on. Keep it here on 90.5 KCSU. Cannonball! And now for the weather. Today was nice and sunny with a high of 64 and a low of 41 with some light winds reaching 5 miles per hour. Tomorrow, clouds will come back, but temperatures won't change drastically. Winds will reach 8 miles per hour with a high of 65 and a low of 39, no chance of rain. Thursday, winds will stay about the same, but temperatures will be dropping down to 60 degrees for the high and 30 to 6 degrees for the low. We'll still be seeing some clouds, but the sun will be out. And for Friday, you'll have to tune in this Thursday for our next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review from 4 to 5 p.m. Information from this forecast was gathered from the Weather Channel. Hey, so I'm having some trouble with my streaming service. Please select from the following options. Can I just talk to a person? Sorry, that is not an option. Please select from the following options. Seriously? You called? No, no, not you. I'm just sick of robots, and I just want to listen to some music. You know what? This is DJ Silent G, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins, operated by actual human beings. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank Thomas Taylor, Asher Corns, Stephanie Keel, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Griffin Ham, Jonathan Gillum, Ben, Cr- ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time.